0: Cool. Uh, lots of oh yeah, I'm uh, lots of uh, talk today on marriage Commons because we're super excited about it. It's going to be a really fun event. So hopefully uh, you'll say, hey, we'll, we'll host uh, that at our place, invite a couple people over, uh, or, or you'll say, hey, I want to find one that's open and I want to uh, be there. So put that on your calendar. Uh, I'm super excited to to be back with you today and wrapping up our series above the fog that we've been in here for two weeks. And today we're going to be wrapping that up. We've literally been in the exact same six verses. For Two weeks. We're going to finish it up uh, today, but I I want to let you know next weekend we're going into a new series uh, that I think is so pertinent for our culture, for our city, um, for those of us in the room and online. Uh, It's just entitled "I'm Not Okay." I'm not okay. And and how do we get to Jesus? How do we connect with God? Uh, when when we're not okay. Like when we're going through some very painful things and we just need to get real, uh, but let you know that God meets us in that. So that's next week. So invite somebody to watch online, share it online, uh, or be right here in the room for us. Hey, I know um, the the Savior seat thing gets old, right? That that gets really old, like having to do that every single week. We we don't want to have to do that, but we're continuing to do that for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, to, to make sure as uh, people get a little more comfortable in this season to come back that we will be able to keep, uh, know where we're at on capacity. But one of the primary reasons is for contact tracing so that if uh, we do find out that you've been exposed, that you can, you can know right away that uh, those things would, and that can help can control the spread uh, of the virus. So I wanted to let you know why we're continuing to do that and ask you to continue to, on Tuesday mornings to go ahead and, and register and save your seat. I appreciate everybody continuing to, to do that. So let's, let's dive back in. Uh, if you've been with us, you know we've been in this Above the Fog series uh, we've been talking about really how, despite our physical circumstances, even when we're going through a difficult time physically in this natural world, we can our spirit, our spiritual well-being, can still be thriving and and doing really well and. And, uh, and I've seen that from so many that, hey, I'm, we're, we're doing good, like, you know, we're hanging in there, we're, we're pushing, spiritually we're doing good, the world's falling apart, it feels like, but spiritually we're hanging on, and so I'm looking forward to wrapping up this uh, text today, because today it's going to talk, uh, the, the text we're going to lean into is going to talk about gathering, like joining together, this thing we're doing here online and we're doing in person, coming together, and, and how important that is in our world if we're going to rise above the fog. when uh, This kind of whole series was birthed when we were up in Acadia uh, National Park. And and I just remember just being so frustrated by the fog where we couldn't see, you know, 20 yards in front of us. And then God just began to whisper something to my heart. Really about, I mean, all, all I could see was just like the trees that were right around me and my family in my car. And God just said, just enjoy and focus on what's right here with you. And, and I just want to tell you, those online and in the room, I'm, I'm just focusing on this moment right now. There's so many things to think about when it comes to our family and to uh, school and, and to what's next for church and, and, and work. But let's just focus in on this moment and focus in on these people. Let's focus in on this word and see what God would speak to us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to read the whole thing one last time before we move in. Actually, if you're doing um, our reading guide with us, you'll get to chapter 10 uh, here in just a few days. And so you'll be like, I know that one. (laughs) I can almost quote that now. Uh, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us do this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that what faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed Pure water, internally and externally, God doing a cleansing work as we draw near to Him. Let us hold on swervingly to the hope we profess. Why? Because He's faithful. And then here's where we're going to spend our time today these next couple of verses. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meetings together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. All right, let's settle into to that. Uh, as you know, over these past couple weeks, we've been talking about these three eternal realities that are needed if we're going to rise above the fog of our circumstances. If we're going to rise above it, we've, we've talked about the, the, the family of God and the community and communion with God and the presence of God how to enter into his presence on a daily basis and i really want to slow down i feel like we haven't talked enough about family we haven't talked enough about community as a fellowship as a body enough but this text leads us there to just spend spend some time there and really all this drawing near all this entering into God's presence if if we do that and we never get to like consider this moment if if being in the presence of God never gets us to a place of reflection on how we are called to live, and how that's transforming us, then I think we're, we're kind of missing something in that. We're not opening ourselves up fully to what God wants to do, because that's what he says, let us consider. I think there's a couple things we need to consider today. I think one is we need to consider how we encourage one another. How can we encourage one another? We've got all of our own struggles, all of our own problems, our own things going on, but really, so did the church um, here, these Jewish Christians that the, the writer of, of Hebrews was writing to. They were discouraged. Like, there was injustice happening in their time. And, and they were being imprisoned for their beliefs. They, they were having property taken from them by the state for being Christians. Right? So they had plenty of things to be discouraged about. And what was taking place for them is they, didn't, they, they were stopping encouraging one another. They were kind of sulking in their own misery and, and disappointment and discouragement. And, and what followed that was they stopped meeting together. they like, oh, I'm going through a lot right now, so I'm, I'm just going to go about life. and I'm going to try to take care of all these other things. And, and through that, their discouragement mounted up on top of each other, that they actually were, were losing steam in this. So we've got to consider two things today. How can we encourage each other? And how can we continue to meet together in these times online and in person, whatever meeting together looks like, uh, in small groups, in large gatherings, whatever it looks like. So let's talk about this today with just four, four keys to rising above the fog together. Four keys to rising above the fog together. We're going to be talking about family, talking about community, togetherness. And I think the first is we got to expand our view of family, expand your view, expand my view of family when I think of family today, I think about my wife and my children uh, we, we think about maybe our immediate family, those in our immediate household um, maybe for for you watching online or in the room you're like i don't have family I don 't live near family. Uh, my parents have have passed on or I never knew my parents or i I, I don 't have any siblings and and family is kind of a, a hard word for you in the but in in the ancient world that they, they viewed family very differently because their homes were multi-generational. You've probably seen and heard that this is becoming way more popular in our day and age here in America. It's it's popular all over the world, but here in America, it's becoming a lot more uh, common. I think 20% of adults now live in multi-generational housing, right? So more than two generations under the same roof. So grandma and grandpa or great-grandma and uh, grandpa live in the same house. And that, that was a normal thing in uh, in the ancient world. And, and so when they would gather, we're going to read a text here in a few moments in Acts that, that really talked about how the gathering was oftentimes in the temple. They would gather together every day, but many times they were gathering in dining rooms. That was one of the largest places in their house was a dining room or sometimes a courtyard. And so a couple of families would get together, kind of like we were talking about doing for marriage conference. They'd get together, and so they viewed family very differently. And, and, and Jesus, like, really put a stamp on this big time when his mom and brother show up at the house. You guys remember this? His, his mom and brother show up and like, hey, we want to we'll talk to our son. We we'll want to talk to our brother. And he's like, my mom and my brothers are whoever does the will of God. And it's like, okay, that was kind of a backhanded thing to your mom and dad. But Jesus was redefining and getting us to expand our view of family. And this is so important when we talk about gathering. Because have you ever had like one of those family events? Those family reunions that you get invited into that you don't really know anybody from, right? It's all this extended family. And then you're, you're, it's like an obligation. Oh, I feel like I've got to go. I got to show my face. Mom wants me to be there. My sister's dragging me, says, if I'm not there, then whatever's going to happen, right? We feel obligated and we're just miserable the whole time because we don't really even see those people as our family, you see, it's how we view the family of God, how we view the people that you sit in the room with, the people that you're commenting back and forth and liking and sharing, and we're all in this family of God, Christians all over the world. How we view them affects how we're going to feel towards them. And, and this is, so this is where it all starts, having an expanded view of family, that we as the body of Christ here in this room, online and all over the world, all over our city, we're the family of God this is the biggest family on the face of the planet. It's the biggest family on the face of the planet. And so we are never alone. We're never alone. We're in this together. Uh, Ephesians 2, uh, verse 19 says, consequently, you're no uh, no longer foreigners. You're not strangers. You're fellow citizens. So when you walk into a church, this one or another one, you're not a stranger there. You're with family there, with God's people and also members of his household. You're you're a member of God's house, so you can relax, you can be yourself, and you can come as you are. The second thing that we've got to hear, we've got to know, a key to to rising above the fog together is not just this view of family, but we've got to embrace biblical community as essential, not optional as essential, not optional. For many decades, there's been a trend in church attendance where we've stayed connected loosely, but we've really, in our view, we don't see it as essential anymore. We kind of see it as optional. Really, what we value from churches is content and music That's really that's really why we come for so many in our culture and how we look. We come to hear a good message to make us feel better, to help us grow in our faith, and we we like good music or we're attracted to programs, and we don't any longer see it as essential to our growth and our spiritual well being, but it's more optional. Uh, there's a this very large global brand called Unilever i don't know if you've heard of Unilever, but uh, they own brands um, uh, like ax body spray and and Dove soaps and shampoos. They also own. You know, talk about these big companies. They also own Ben & Jerry's and Magnum Ice Cream. Uh, just a month ago in, in July, the end of July, they, they put out a report about their sales so far this year, uh, and it turns out ice cream sales have gone up by like 25%. And deodorant, on the other hand, has slumped <laughs> in this season. Merca has spoken on what's essential <laughs> and what's optional. I think we need to bring it all back down to the table and be like, hey... This is not an either-or situation. This is both-ands, right? <laughs> you keep, keep those deodorant sales up for the love of your neighbor. I don't know you yeah. So it, it's a, is it essential or is it optional? Is a biblical community... Well, what do you mean by when you say biblical community? I'm not talking about church attendance. Because attendance numbers in many circles is fine except for 2020. It's, it's fine. But biblical community is where we're known, and we know others. Not where we just come to receive, but we also know that we have gifts to give. We come to encourage others. We don't just come to get for us. We come to be a part of the family, a family worship time and fellowship time, and it's not an obligation because they're our family and we enjoy being around our family. They're not some extended foreigners or strangers. That's awkward conversation. No, no. We have the same foundation at the feet of Jesus, and so biblical community is it's essential for our life. But you say, hey, well, can't someone be growing in the faith? Can't somebody be doing fine? Can't they be a Christian without the local church, without fellowship and community? Yeah, they can. Yeah, you can be a Christian. I don't know why you'd want to not be a part of the body, but many people have been hurt and have, they want to figure it out on their own. And, and the reality is you can have a relationship with God and you can even grow in your faith without the local church, but that only reaches a certain point of honoring God, of, of using your gifts of even maturing in your faith because you need other people in order to practice love, in order to to use your gifts, uh, your spiritual gifts that God's given you. You can only do that to a point. Um, David Gezik, a commentator, pastor, says, um, forsaking fellowship is a sure way to give way to discouragement. This festers when God's people are not exhorting one another. I'm going to teach that word here in just a few moments, exhorting because it's not one that gets ta- taught about a lot. This festers where God's people are not encouraging, not building each other up. It's, it's a sure way to give way to discouragement, but what what happened with these Jewish Christians in, that the, the author of Hebrews is writing to is the same thing that happens to us, and I've seen in practice, many of you probably have too, you've lived this, that when you're struggling, when you're discouraged, you are be like, I don't want to bother anybody else with this. Uh, you stop responding to texts. You stop gathering. And the one place you need to be to find encouragement with the people who will build you up and speak to you, you isolate and you, you turn away and you stop responding to. And it's heartbreaking. And the author of Hebrews is saying, we can't do that. Because we're, we're pushing away the encouragement we need. And if you're doing great, then you're pushing away the encouragement that others need. And we miss out on that. So we've got to embrace biblical community as essential, not optional, in our life. Just because we, we can make it just fine for a little while, you can. Until you can't. Until you can't. Until you hit a season in which, oh, I, I, I was fine in that season, but I didn't sow the relationships. I didn't sow into the relationships, so now I am isolated, and I've made myself here so we've got to see for our faith, for our growth, for honoring God, it's essential. And I don't care if it's online, I don't care if it's with a small group of two or three people, or it's in, in the larger weekend gatherings, but it's essential for our life. We can't honor God long-term and really flourish in our faith without biblical community, where when you're hurting, someone's there to pick you up and pour into you. When someone else is hurting, you're there to pick up and pour into them. Uh, when, when you have a need, someone's there to meet it. When someone else has a need, you're there. This is Koinonia. If you want to hear more on that, go to last year's summer messages on Koinonia, and, and we taught a lot on that. The third thing is, it, that we need to do, if we're going to rise above the fog together, Keys to this just t- togetherness, this idea of community and family, is we need to evaluate our habitudes. Have you ever heard this term, habitudes? It's a mashup of, of habits and attitudes that I, I heard about 15 years ago, and, and I, I like it, particularly in, in this Um, because um, these attitudes turn into habits. I think oftentimes we separate and we think what's going on in our head is not really showing up in our actions. But let me tell you, what goes on in your head is showing up in your actions. Like the inner dialogue you have about your spouse and your frustration with them about whatever thing, you think that's not showing up in your actions, but they notice it. You, you think your your uh, anger with your neighbor who is always getting on you about your trash can, you think it's just in your head the inner dialogue, but no, no, he sees your your uh, passive aggressive gestures <laughs> from time to time. They pick up on this our attitudes bleed in and shape our attitude. And our ha- I'll just call it our habitude. Uh Philippians two and three says, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility value others as better than yourself, right? The author of Hebrews says we need to consider how we can do what? How we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. I got to consider this. I need to think about this in my own life. Have have I, how how are my, how's my mentality, how's my attitude really impacting my actions in terms of, Of stirring up. Really the word, if you you study out the Greek here, really what it means is the word um, instigate or to incite passion. Instigator is a word we teach our kids um, a lot and we have a lot of conversations about around our house. As you can imagine with three kids, um, when there's a, a fight that breaks out, it usually starts with me yelling, hey, get it out! Don't make me come up there, right? It's one of those situations to get it started. Hopefully that resolves it very rarely does it resolve it? And then, and then the tears happen, and then, you know, um, uh, Sherlock and Watson come into the room, right? I, anybody else like the Sherlock series, all that stuff? I, I like that stuff. And so Sherlock and Watson come in there, and we're going to deduce what took place, what really went down. Uh, and we start an interrogation, and there's a there's the line of questioning for each uh, witness to the situation, um, and we get nowhere with that. And eventually, like an insurance company... We have to figure out who caused this accident. Who, who is the instigator who started the accident and they're going to be held responsible, right? Isn't that usually how it happens with, with insurance? Well, this instigator thing that's so big in our house, it, it should be big for us in the body of Christ. This is what he's saying. He's like, let's consider how we might instigate some good. Yeah. With all the negativity going on, with all the discouragement, with all the non-gathering, with all the, all the struggles that we... Why don't we think about this? Why don't we focus... On how we might actually stir up some good stuff. Like we might stir up a love. Another way you could break the, that um, Greek verb here is to incite passion. Uh, may I just stir up something, not frustration, not bitterness, not resentment. Can, is there just a way that God will allow us individually to just stir up a love? To just instigate some love, some some good deeds. And you say, Well, how am I gonna do that? I don't know. Like you're you're smart, <laughs> you're you're a smart person. You can figure out some ways to do this. And, and I would say when we're connected with the body, when we're fellowship with the body, we begin to know what the needs are. We begin to know what the needs are. We begin to notice when someone's off, when someone's struggling through a season. And I know many of you in the room and online. You're struggling. That's why we're about to go into the series called I'm Not Okay, so that we can get to Jesus and find encouragement from him first and foremost. But, but right now in this text, it's really about us considering how we can stir up that passion. It may just be uh, like we did this just yesterday, say, hey, I'm going to show up there. I'm going to be a part of stirring up some love to some single moms in our city we say, hey, when that goes up, I'm going to clear my calendar because I need to be a part of stirring up those love and good deeds. Thank you, everybody who gave, who gives here and who served to make that event happen. It was awesome yesterday. So we just got to examine our habitudes, see how it's, it's um, working into our, our, our actions, and then let's step into it. Let's stir up some, some passion. Let's stir up and instigate some good deeds and love in our city. man. Well, what an impact we could have right right now. I know we're like, what could, what could little old me do? I don't know. We can't do everything for everybody, but we can do something. Each one of us this week in your, in your work environment, in your family, with your neighbor, you can incite, you can stir up and um, instigate some good and some, lo- uh, and some love. So and the final thing that I think as the band's going to come here and begin to close us um, today is we got to learn to excel in encouragement. We got to excel in encouragement. That's what he said, like, let's figure out how we can encourage one another, let's figure out how we can build one another up. Uh, When I think about encouragement, I think about Taryn and I, because we are very different when it comes uh, in terms of encouragement, Um, because she's a very natural encourager. Uh, In fact, I'd say she's a supernatural encourager, she has a gift for it. Uh, It's so so natural for her, it's supernatural. Does that make sense? There's such a, a grace on it, and that's oftentimes how you can kind of figure out. Spiritual gifts or how God might be using is what's so natural that people look at this and be like, "You're crazy! I don't know how you do it." You know what I mean? Like, uh, and we'll just be walking everywhere we go, and she just finds all the good. And and I'm I'm a musician, and, and I've got a, a critical eye about so many things, and like my nature is like critical, right? It's like I find everything wrong, so I can fix it. And it's the leader in me that just wants to make it tinker and make everything better and better. But God is, so we can kind of have the nature-nurture conversation. Like, well, I'm not, that's not who I am. Well, here's the thing. It doesn't matter who you are. If it's natural, it's supernatural. If it's in your nature to be more critical, well, we're all called to be encouragers. Yeah. It may not be your spiritual gift, but you need to grow in it. And I can say, by the grace of God, it's been something that I have grown in. I like to think that I excel in it. I think I still have a long way to go. But I've grown in it. And we, we need to posture ourselves. The, how can I you know, instigate some good? How can I just become an encourager? And what you'll find is, is it doesn't cost you as much as you thought it did. And what I found in my journey with this is that a lot of what holds back is selfishness. I'm focused more on myself. To a judgmental spirit holds me back. And pride is the third thing that holds me back. I don't want to build them up because I think like it costs me something. It's going to hurt me. But I realize it's free, and I can give it out. And it just becomes just the flow of your tongue. And then, and then that encouragement begins to just make a real difference in people. A couple of weeks ago, I, I, I saw one of our, our, our Fathom students just randomly. I literally said, hey. Like, hey, bud, what's up? And I heard down the line that, man, it just just lit up. He was so excited. It just encouraged him so much that I just said, hey. I'm like, you never know just like what the little encouragement's going to do. And, and what the author of Hebrews says, he says, even more as we see the day approaching. Even more as we, we see the day approaching. It's capital D day here. He's talking about the return of Jesus is what he's talking about. And, and I'm not a rocket scientist or the world's best end times theologian but it doesn't take a rocket scientist or the world's best theologian to hear the earth groaning. Like, to keep seeing earthquakes in places we've never seen earthquakes take place and pain and brokenness. And, and I don't know. I mean, the early church, church thought God was coming back in the next 12 days. Like, they were, there was that type of urgency in their spirit, you know, and I, and I just think some of us need to hear that. There needs to be an urgency in your spirit we don't know if it'll be 200 years from now or if it'll be two hours from now. We we don't know. And so we can take the long view, but we got to have urgency and passion to encourage and to build up those around us. Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. We are not promised tomorrow. Like we're not building the big plan. We just, the person in front of us is the one we're called to encourage so that you, that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encouragement just softens a heart to what the enemy is trying to do in somebody else's life. You want me to hear hear that? Encouragement Just soften so that we don't. We're not hardened to how sin is working its way into our life and the lives of others. You never know that encouragement is going to prevent them from the next step that they fall into a sin. You don't know. Really, the word encourage here and the word exhort they get translated from the same Greek verb, but they're very two different things. It's very complex. We don't have time to go into everything. But I want to teach on what exhortation is, because some of your translation actually say exhort, and that's one of those churchy Christian words that like, yeah, let's exhort, and nobody knows what it means. Um, the word exhort is different from the word encourage, because encourage, this is the easiest way I can put it. Encouragement is like that of a cheerleader, that we're a cheerleader in people's lives, and we're just positive, and hey, you can do this, you're going to make it through the fog, like God's going to carry you through this, I'm in this with you. That that that's encouragement. It's more the, the, the role of a cheerleader, and we all need to pursue that and excel in that. And exhortation is more like that of a coach. That it's not always going to be positive. It, it may say, "Hey, uh, when I was your age and I was running that route, you know, and I was I was trying that. I I learned that that was a bad path down. I I learned that that wasn't going to work. I I used to try to manipulate in my marriage too, and." Here's what happened, and I found out that's not the way God wants me to to lead in my home. It's the role of the coach. It's testimony. It's it's the cheerleader side too. You want a, a coach to say, "Hey, you can do this. We can do this. We can get through that." And it's the testimony, personal testimony, but it's also sometimes warning. It says, "Hey, don't." <laughs> I'll tell you this story. Um, Uh, When I was in high school, and I'll I'll close here. Well, I got another story. Sorry, I'll close in two minutes. Give me two minutes. (laughs) When I was in high school, I played quarterback, and um, I think it was my my sophomore year on JV, and we were playing Armwood High School. I played in Plant City High School in in Tampa, or outside of Tampa. Played Armwood High School, perennial, like lots of players you watch on TV came from Armwood High School. And uh, I remember on JV, there was these two guys that were defensive ends um, and I was about five foot nothing, uh, about 135 pounds at the time. And uh, these guys were about six, six as sophomores in high school, and about 300 pounds. And so we, we had this one play in which um, I had been warned about many times that don't try to block the defensive end. ever. You're the quarterback, too valuable to the team, you're going to get hurt. But I was just an arrogant little 135-pound kid. And so I took the snap, and I did this toss, where you just toss it here. And what I'd like to do, what I always wanted to do is like do a crackback, and I'm going to come back and hit that defensive end and catch him off guard. I tried to do that one day, despite the warnings of my coaches, to never do this every practice. Don't do it! Don't do it! And I did it, and he folded me and snapped me in half. I mean, he was an enormous human being. He's probably playing in the NFL somewhere now. He snapped me in half because I didn't listen to the warning. But that's, if, that's that role of that coach to speak that and prevent somebody from laying out in their season. We, we've got we to have an urgency to, to be those that will exhort, not just encourage. And so, so there's roles for that encouragement. We, we walk in the Spirit to know which is which uh, in each conversation we're having. But we've got to have an urgency to encourage because we don't we don't know how long we're promised as long as it's today. Just two weeks ago, um, many of you know that uh, Tier and I we've had like a side furniture business for for years now, and and um, we're we're trying to shut it down. We're trying to be done with it, but work keeps coming. But um, but uh, there was a guy who used to work for us, and uh, we found out just a couple weeks ago he we passed away. Um, I, I don't know where he was with God. But I remember in those early days that he came on uh, our team, and and I began to spend time with him. He's young; I mean, he's in his early twenties. And and I just knew God was doing something in this. There was a—I was encouraging him, I was teaching him um, things about furniture. But I knew there was a spiritual connection that God had me in His life for a reason. And can I just be honest? For the past two weeks since I learned of his passing, I just—I wonder if I should have said more. I, I wonder if if. if I could have exhorted him a little bit more further along in my journey. If I could have made the most of those moments while I still had the time, I always think there's going to be more time. Make the most of today. Make the most. You don't know. You don't know. I'm not trying to stir up emotions. That's really what I've been thinking for two weeks since I learned of his passing. So I don't don't know where you're at in this encouragement thing. I don't know how you're viewing family. I don't know how you've looked at getting in a small group or, or gathering with the body of believers. But I hope today we know it's essential in our life. We need it. We need others. And we need what you have in the body of Christ. I want you to stand. I want to pray for you. And this band's going to close us out today uh, in worship. Um, we'll have just a couple of, of words. God, thank you so much for this moment we have in worship to just consider, God, how you might use us how you might use us in our gathering, and our fellowship. God, it's not an obligation, but it's a joy, God, to be with the family of God. May we see the value in every person that knows Jesus and is part of the family of God and those who have yet to come to the knowledge of your saving grace. May we value them, God, and value them as better than ourselves in such a way that we build them up and encourage them and even exhort them and warn them at times and share our stories. God, I pray that you would use this message, you'd use this scripture that we've wrestled with in this season. God, despite all the discouragement, God, that somehow we're coming together as we come to your feet in this time of prayer. God, we are drawing near to you and somehow we are spiritually thriving in the midst of a fallen world. God, in the midst of our brokenness and our our disappointment our discouragement, we're rising above it together in your spirit. As we walk with the family of God, we walk in communion with God, and we press into the presence of God. We love you today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. There's going to be folks to pray with you at the crosses.